Hello, my community. This is our intermittent sub-series of instructional ecology. These micro-episodes are designed to be tiny points of contact of mutual interest across the diversity of our teaching and learning community. A chance to check in and think together in small ways. These are Sustainable Connections. Hello again from FSL Common Read Land. Tomorrow is our bi-monthly faculty, staff, and leadership Common Read gathering on Zoom. So I'm popping in to whet your curiosity for a discussion about chapter four of our book, Relationship-Rich Education by Peter Felton and Leo M. Lambert. Chapter four is titled Creating Relationship-Rich Classrooms. This sounds like it might be for faculty only, but what's the point of doing things if the rest of the college community has no idea what happens there? Let's look together and see what's being given to us. I want to pour into the porches of your ears a story from the beginning of chapter four as the authors kick off the chapter. They tell us on page 81, quote, Mezimad, a professor of biology at Pima Community College, had an epiphany one ordinary day in class. I was lecturing when I realized that I was staring at my students and they were staring into space. That took me back in time as a student to 2003 when I was trying to learn molecular biology while also worrying if my family in Iraq was still alive. It dawned on me that I could continue to lecture and get through the material and check off all the learning objectives or I could really attend to the students who were in class with me. So I started to ask my students, what is it that you want? I learned that they wanted the science, but they didn't want it in a vacuum. They wanted science in relation to the world and to their lives. They wanted to connect with science and with me, unquote. When an educator sees that students aren't really attending to lecture, hardly unusual, they must decide what to do in the moment. And Imad summarizes that choice nicely. And here, instead of choosing curriculum, she chose relationship. Instead of choosing content, she chose context. And the students snapped awake and readily responded, giving her crucial insight into what would help the knowledge she had to share transfer to them much more effectively. And she got insight into what they truly needed as human beings who were in the transformative experience of getting a higher education degree. From that moment, she rebuilt her teaching philosophy and method. Continuing on page 81, we find, quote, Imad began to imagine her classroom as a learning sanctuary. She transformed her classroom through what she calls relational teaching. She aims to build trust and connections with her students through personal stories and interactions in and out of class. But even more significant, she strives to build relationships among her students because she knows that she doesn't have the time necessary to work one-on-one -on -one with all of her students. She uses class time to introduce students to peer-to-peer -peer mentoring because once they get the taste of it, they want more. And they organize their own study and their own study groups and support each other outside of class, unquote. This is a way to begin to reframe teaching. 
It's not necessarily radical in some parts of practice, but in other ways, it breaks a lot of higher education molds. If you're teaching, do you think of the work you do as relational? Is this an aspect of teaching practice you find important or are intrigued by? In the moment that Imad faced, do you choose curriculum or relationship, content or context? And if you're supporting teaching at the college, what do you understand from students about their hopes and needs in the classroom? If you're one of the college's leaders, how does relational teaching figure into your vision for us? I hope you'll join us for the Zoom link in your inbox on Friday, March 17th at 11 a.m. to talk about this chapter. You don't have to have read it already. I'll have everything you need. If you have read it, please come and share your responses. That's all for this micro episode. Any questions about the chapter or about the FSL Common Read event on the 17th? Email me at H-O-U-L-E-C at midlandstech.edu if you'd like to share a response to today's thinking. And listen in on March 23rd for the next full-length episode of Instructional Ecology, wherein I'll be talking with math professor Tom McKenna about mindset and agency in student success.